Okay, I know that rather than being interactive portions of a game, cinematics are cut scenes made using cinematic techniques, a special genre of full CG short films falling somewhere between VFX and 3D animation. But why are they used in video games? Well, today you're in luck because in this episode, number 2205, Bill and Sean Johnston, the CG pros, will be delving into that and will tell you all about them when they answer the commonly asked question, what are your favorite video game cinematics? Past on the CG Bros, CG Insider Podcast. Well, welcome back to the CG Insider Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, it's great to see you. In today's episode, we're going to be answering a question from viewer Fred T. from Chula Vista, California, that he submitted on the Ask Us Anything page at thecgbros.com. Fred's question is, what are your favorite video game cinematics? And we're going to be talking about, or at least answering, his, he's specific about the past. Uh, and uh, So, well, by the end of this discussion, you'll not only know some interesting things about what cin- game cinematics are, but you'll also learn what makes them such an important part of a video game. You'll also get our take on some of the best video game cinematics of the past that we've chosen, as well as uh, get our professional insights and personal takes into what we think makes them so cool. And be sure to stay until the end of the podcast, where we'll be sharing some interesting news about some achievements made by some of our new media producers that have chosen to feature their great work on our YouTube channel. Wow, that should be awesome. I'm Sean Johnson, one of your hosts for today's edition of the CG Insider Podcast. And I'm Bill Johnson, the other host. And together we are known far and wide as the CG Bros. Uh, this is a great question, um, and I, I considered this... Uh, a lot over um, since we got this uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was too hard. So I, I'm just gonna. There's so many uh, from the past uh, that I didn't. I could, we didn't have time to show them all, so uh, or talk about them all. So I kind of just wanted to pick just some of the ones that re- I remember back going through my my memory lane and seeing in my mind's eye what what kind of was a. Um, a feeling or a visual that I can remember and, and, and have a great feeling about that. Uh, especially uh, when you look at old school trailers and cinematics because, uh, and the cut cut scenes as well, because there's a, there's a thing that you uh, remember. Um, you don't remember exactly how, how good they are or how bad they are. <laughs> so it's funny. Your, your mind remembers it. It is so much better than, when you go back and look at them again, because I was looking at some of the old ones, I'm like, oh boy, that that just doesn't uh, hold hold up anymore. And it it, it rem- I remember it being so much better. Yeah, it's kind of kind of funny that we we kind of romanticize what we what we don't really remember. We remember our memory of it is really what we remember, not the actual thing itself. And so that I think that's probably has a lot to do. Is with that it the Mandela well. effect? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> it is it is a uh, it is a a, a actual. Uh, thing so yeah I don't know you, you know you had mentioned cutscenes that's that's just another game uh, another name I should say for for game cinematics uh, we call them cutscenes in the business but uh, game cinematics and cutscenes are, are or interstitials are, exactly exactly and, and they're both pre-rendered they can be pre-rendered or generated in real time in the game and and uh, um, you know the purpose of a game cinematic in the first place uh, just to give a little background on this to kind of help propel the narrative of the story along. Um, the, the real advantage, I think, of video games, unlike unlike other types of uh, narratives, is the player actually is part of the story. It, it, it the player gets to live 
the experience of the story and share in the successes and the setbacks of, of, of you know, the, the characters in the story as well. So, um, yes. And there's also, um, what they well, like elaborate cut scenes or event scenes and, and, uh, it's, it's usually, uh, not interactive. Um, but sometimes it is, um, especially with, um, dead space. There's a lot of interactive, uh, cut scenes where, uh, that particular, uh, I was I was going to show that one, but I'm not going to. But that's one of my favorite, actually, video games. Not of the past, but, well, slightly past, 12 years ago. Uh, Dead Space was one of my favorite. But they had an interactive cutscene, uh, which which almost ended the project. Um, it was so hard to do. But uh, there's actually a great video on YouTube of, of one of the directors or the creator of Dead Space. And he explains why that particular scene... Uh, was such a uh, hard um, scene to create, but uh, it was one of the best games I've ever played. It was super fun, super fun and scary. That is, just, and I, I actually liked a lot of the old old uh, games. Bioforge was a real favorite of mine uh, as well. Me I mean, too? we've talked about kind of what our favorite, some of what our favorite games are. Uh, but you know, the the the, the importance of, of a good storyline in in a game is is critical, and what, we can talk a little bit more about that as we. As we get uh, get along, but uh, you know, there's there's several different types of games and d- different involvements, like you said, of you know, w- of pushing the story along, and 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 you know, and that's the whole purpose of the cinematic is to really carry the story. And these, you know, if you're if you're doing a a role playing game, um, it's it's pretty important because the story is kind of the main focus of, of playing the game because you have to you know solve mysteries and in, in, in order to progress as and the story evolves along the way. Um, yes, yeah, a good example of of let's say. Uh, an interactive cutscene would be if you go back to the old uh, Dragon's Lair. Um, that that one was a real cutscene, uh, you know, where you'd, you'd you'd pick real quickly, and it would take you either to your death or you'd you'd proceed on to the next level in the game. You remember that playing that? Yeah, that was a that was pretty innovative. That was a Disney Dis, a Disney game, I think, that came from Disney Studios, didn't it? Yeah, I'm, you know what? I'm not sure. Um, I it sure it's been like so it. long sure ago. I just know it was an arcade yeah. game. Sorry. Well, you know, well, you know, it's funny that the, in a lot of games, the the narrative isn't that obvious uh, in some 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 types of games. I mean, it's particularly, uh, I guess, adventure games where you just basically are thrown into into a an environment and you kind of run around and you you know, kind of like Mario Brothers in a, in a way, um, or Pac Man or Asteroids, where you don't you know the the characters are really the personality instead of there's no real storyline. Uh, the characters are the storyline, basically. Well, yeah, I, I kind of had that feeling when I first played Red Dead Redemption. Um, I know they they have a storyline that's going through weaved throughout that, which I love the game, by the way. Um, going through that entire game, but I would tend to be, when it's very sandboxy, where you you can pretty much roam all around the world, um, hunting and um, interacting with certain characters in there. But I remember just getting so caught up in running around in this free world um, that was in the, the West. And, and I didn't want to go back into, I, in fact, I forgot where I needed to go because I was so involved with just free roaming. Uh, that, that was a, a fantastic game, Bill. I don't know if you've ever played that, but that, that uh, first one uh, was fantastic. I didn't play the second one um, because my PlayStation 2 got taken away by, or PlayStation 3 got taken away by my son. Uh, so that's kind of a bummer. But um, yeah, that was a great game. Um, we talked about live action cutscenes, possibly. Um, remember Wing Commander? Uh, was it uh, Wing Commander Four, where they uh, had a uh, you know fully constructed sets 
And then Mark Hamill's on there, Malcolm McDowell, and they portrayed characters. I didn't think the the uh, Kilrathi looked that good, but uh, that was that was interesting how they had the live action cutscenes for that particular. And I think it was maybe I don't know how many CDs it was. It was like twelve or nine. It was something ridiculous to play that game. Um, but that one is pretty interesting. Um, yes, one of my favorites was the Arkham Asylum uh, game cinematics. I really found that to be very very dark and and creepy. I really enjoyed the texture of it. Fantastic, yeah. That, but that's more that's that's closer to our own current time, you know, present present time. That, oh, that's true. That's true. I'm getting a little ahead of the past. But, but that's no, you know, that's okay. Well, you know, before we get on to some of these examples, I just wanted to, you know, there, there there's been a big debate uh, about you know in in some of the game gaming circles whether you know gameplay is the most essential factor uh, in game design or or is storytelling the most essential factor? You know, if if the gameplay is lacking, there's no real incentive to play the story, is there? So, uh, and I know a lot of people uh, that I know, including myself, um, I, I like to play it because the game mechanics are, are really cool. You know, that's what that's what really keeps me in the game is, is you know, does the combat feel nice and natural? Are the controls satisfying? Um, is the game unique in some cool way that I like? Um, and then the story is the next thing, you know, the, it, and, and that, of course, needs to be, have good writing and, and a good story to drive the game. But and really carry me to the end of it, but the the game mechanics are are really important. I think, especially to to males, and maybe that's just me me talking. But you know, there's there's been this raging debate, and I what do you what do you think of that? I think I think it's changed over time. I remember first getting into video games, and it was all single single player uh, until pretty much you know Doom came out, and then you could play against somebody else um, on your on your you know network, and and I think that kind of changed the way people game um, going head to head against each other or get going against, you know, multiple people. I think it's, it's, it's weird because I do like a really good story while I'm playing a video game. And that's, and, and if, and, it, and if you're uh, not um, good at playing against other people or you get intimidated a lot by people who spend hundreds and hundreds of hours on a particular game and, you know, there's, and you're going in there for the first time and you're kind of going to get slaughtered I think, although the gameplay is, is fantastic and, and fun, I I tend to have times when I want to want to do that, but there's times when I don't want to go against people who've been playing for hours and hours. And most most people have jobs, so they're working. But then there's the younger crowd that has more time, and so they can spend more time, you know, practicing and. Well, that is their work. <laughs> right. Well, I'd be doing the same thing. I'd be doing yeah. the same thing. But as you get older and, and you go against that, it's like, oh, geez, I don't want to get slaughtered in there. So I kind of want to, hopefully they've got some type of um, tiered system where you can um, do some matchmaking, where you can get into um, playing somebody who's got your same skill level. Uh, but then if you don't want to do that, you want to go to a single player, really good uh, story. And you can't really do that because... With multiplayer, you're 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 creating the story as you're playing against somebody else, and you're you're creating these fantastic scenes and experiences on your own with those people and your and your teammates and your 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 friends. Uh, if you're doing it in team player, you're not by yourself. I I always personally, when I'd go into the multiplayer games, I'd be by myself. I'd like to be a lone wolf running around, um, and I don't like to to join too much. Uh, but but then I've also had the experience in the in the. Ex- Extreme pleasure of being on a team. So 
that's the beauty of, of video games. Uh, you can pretty much, there's so many different genres you can get into and so many different types of games. It's just, it's, um, it's whatever our imagination can, uh, can conceive. Yes, and uh, game gameplay and storytelling need to go hand in hand. It sounds like in order to create the best experience for the player, and and, it, and I think that cuts across all the genres, all the styles of game, the types of gaming. You know, regardless of the platform, uh, you know they do need to need need to to play nice with each other. And uh, and I got another question for you. In the past, uh, a lot of people have said, and I I you know we talked around the water cooler about this that you know people don't like the pre-rendered cinematics and, and cutscenes because it, and maybe you can you know, comment, does it, cause it causes a break kind of in the continuity of their experience. Of, cause it, for the main reason that it looks different or significantly different than the gameplay. So you're play, playing your game and then, you know, you finish, you accomplish, you know, the, the, the objective and, and then the, the cutscene comes in and it's obviously a different level of quality. Uh, you know, the hair is moving, you know, you see some really nice cinematic elements to that. And then you get, you know, put back into the gameplay. Do you, do you, what do you think about that? I think that's a great, a great question, but I think it's more, it was more of an issue when the graphics couldn't, uh, you couldn't push the graphics on your normal game engine. And today that's, that to me doesn't seem like it's, it's an issue at all. Uh, they're so close now. It's, it's not that the discrepancy between the two visuals isn't, isn't as much as it used to be. I know that used to bother me a little bit when I was playing games back in the day. I just wished it would, could look as, as good as the pre-rendered cinematics and we tried uh, over time to try and get get our characters as much as we could push through um, polygons and texture wise, but we just couldn't do it until probably the last uh, I don't know ten, fifteen years somewhere in there, the mid nineties. It started to get better and better and better, and then all of a sudden today, I, I don't most of it. Obviously, there's there's the the blizzards of the world and and the um, you know the large AAA games that have massive budgets where you can you can have pre-rendered stuff that looks fantastic but uh the real-time uh, engines like unreal are, are pushing that and, and changing that significantly so i don't think it's as much of an issue what do you think well i'd agree with you i think in the last decade um you know we've come a long way especially with the, the technology uh and the speed of, of uh, what's possible in the real-time environment i i think i still think there's a lot of you know, facial expressions or moments that are important to, to get the story across that that can't you know still be you know regardless of, of the speed uh, I still I still think there's moments that can't be captured um, during organic gameplay so uh, I think I think you have to do them uh, pre-rendered you know some things still pre-rendered but I, I think for the most part you know most of the things and especially with what we've seen coming out of the Unreal Engine uh, lately. Uh, and and these these engines have have cinematic tools that ha- allow you to create cinematic uh, style uh, videos uh, within the game. Um, it's it, it's you know you can switch between cameras and you can you do all sorts of things. But um, I, I think I think there's still still a use for the pre-rendered stuff. But I think you can just use you know you don't have to go make it look significantly different. You don't have to do like super quality for some of those things. I think you just you know, do it in the, in the game as is, like you said, I, I, but I think it's not, it's not plug and play just yet. Well, that, that brings just a little bit of history. I'll go back quickly about some, some of the early, uh, cause I want, I would like to show since this is about the past, uh, the history of, of cutscenes uh, goes all the way back to um, there's a, there's a game called the Sumerian game, 1966. It was an early mainframe uh, game designed by uh, Mabel Addis. And 
it, that game introduced a setting with a, an actual slideshow synchronized audio recording. And, uh, and so it was uh, essentially unskippable. So it was an introductory cutscene, but not an in-game cutscene that we talked about. Um, there's also Space Invaders 2, 1979. They introduced a, a brief comical intermission scene between the, the levels. Um, there was This particular one was where a, the last invader uh, gets shot, limps off the screen. So those kind of things, people uh, just, it kind of gives you a more immersion into the game and gives you kind of a more of a connection than just jumping in. I don't, I, I remember some of the games that would, you would just, you'd start it up and there was really nothing to kind of give you any type of emotional feel. It would, you would just jump into the game and pick your, and hit start and you just start the game. Uh, there was a lot of that. And so I think over time, uh, since since the early 60s, uh, 70s, and, and going all, all the way up. Uh, in fact, uh, I believe Donkey Kong uh, took, uh, 1981, took a concept uh, of the cutscene by, uh, it, you know, it advances it in, in the storyline. So, yes, that's more or less the single player you're going to get. And um, and so that's kind of the, the history of that. And let me show you, if you can pin me up, I'm going to try and turn off the volume on this one. Um, but I want to talk about, this is one of my favorite games. Um, uh, gosh, this goes all the way back to, uh, 1991 when I first started playing video games. This one's called, uh, Another World. And let me go ahead and show you this, this particular game. Um, actually this, this particular one, uh, actually that's not, that's not the one. Sorry about that. Let me go for this one. Sorry. Here we go. I'm going to go ahead and turn the volume down, mute the sound. So this particular game was designed by Eric uh, Chahi, and he published it by himself. It, it, it's, it tells the story of a, a young scientist named Lester. His experiments go wrong. It's, what I really liked about this particular intro was it's all, it was all 2D, but it was it was because they didn't have 3D at that point, at that time. Uh, I think 1993 was probably one of the first ones that I had seen that was 3D. Um, it was alone in the dark. But this particular one was so well done. But it's a, an experiment that goes wrong, and the, the scientist finds himself uh, in a dangerous alien world where he's forced to fight for survival. And I just thought it was so well done, and I hadn't seen anything like it. And it still, I think, holds up as a 2D game today. Yeah, a little chunky. But if, if I could, if you could listen to the sound, take a look at it on YouTube. Really, really, really fun to watch. Um, actually, the game took about two years to create. And uh, um, so it was, it was using a vector form of art to, to reduce the memory. Uh, so that's why it looks so clean. It didn't look rasterized, which is, you know, stair-stepping and aliased. I like the style of it. It's very cool. Yeah, this particular one, he's messing around with the uh, particle accelerator. 1990. 1990. <laughs> Peanut Computer Incorporated. I remember that. CDOS. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, and this is obviously played on, on, on the DOS computer. No Windows at this at this point. Um, yeah, I think some of the some of the games that really started to have storylines were zombie games. Where it was some of the first, you know, things that made made you care. It brought you that excitement when you first drop into the game, and mm-hmm. it provides con, you know context for you, and and uh, you're immediately you know terrorized and uh, enjoying yourself. Yes, yeah, that well, yeah, that's one of my favorite genres. 
this particular game also um, was used uh, the character the the character animation for this particular two D character of Lester was uh, they used some rotoscoping to plan out the character movements. So that's pretty pretty amazing, and it was originally developed for the Amiga and the Atari ST, uh, but it's been ported obviously to other systems and consoles today. And there's there's a, I think you can actually get an emulator and play it. Um, but fantastic because it was it used uh, s- uh, cinematic effects in both real time and and cutscenes within the actual game, but those were two D. So I thought that was pretty pretty amazing. But a huge 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 game. That's yeah, really that's cool. where he gets zapped away. If you can see that, that and I love the the residue of all the electricity and everything going through there. Really well done, jeez, for that time frame. So just ten short years later, we come uh, come upon uh, some b- very cool uh, effects. This one's called. Uh, this is from World of Warcraft. Of I don't even know what that game uh, is. This is the uh, Wrath of the Lich, Lich King uh, in two thousand eight. Um, Blizzard, who's that? Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, speaking of Blizzard, they've been in the news here this week uh, with yes. some, some pretty amazing news. It, it turns out that. Uh, uh, Microsoft has purchased uh, Activision Blizzard for uh, I think it was sixty-seven or sixty-eight billion dollars. That's um, a that's shaking thing for the for the industry. Yes, yes. Well, wow. you know one one thing I really appreciated about the, the these Blizzard cinematics in, in particular, and I think most of the great cinematics, game cinematics, are created by either Ubisoft or Blizzard. Uh, those are the ones that tend to stick in my mind, but is the particle effects, the, the really subtle, uh, the vapors and the, the particles. I mean, the, the way they, you know, the hair, uh, I mean, look at his eyes. It's just some really great uh, physics go, go on in these. And the lighting is just beautifully done as well. And I mean, the atmospherics uh, are tremendous. And, you know, you don't see any, any model penetration. Um, you know, everything, all the armor, you know, moves properly and is lim- limited. And um, the mocap is really top notch. Uh, cinematic. I mean, the camera work is just just tremendous. The snow looks great. Uh, looks yeah, realistic. I, they they my my tops. I have to say, my top cinematics, both past and present, are probably primarily uh, World of Warcraft based. They, they just do such a great job. They really do. There's they're, uh, in you know they had their own team, internal team doing their cinematics, which I thought was pretty amazing. You know, they didn't go to a, a Blur studio. Which is a is a is a large um, uh, company that does uh, cinematics for for video games, We're really well known. Um, yeah, that that uh, that creature coming through the ice. Wow, you're saying this is 2001? 2008. Oh, 2008. Well, I got one that's 2001 that I could show. Yeah, let's take a look at that. This is this is from Warcraft Three. This is one of the, the really impactful for me because I know this was done with 3D Studio Max from when I from I remember. If I'm remembering correctly, this particular one was also done with 3D Studio Max. And I remember that was when I was using 3D Studio Max. And so I was pretty impressed with what they did here. Uh, pretty short. It's not too long. But the, the whole sky is beautiful. It's black screen right now, but here it comes. Okay, here it okay. comes. I always thought this scene was was really cool when the orcs come coming over the mountain here. Oh, that's right. I didn't mean to overstep you, by the way. No, that's that's okay. I, the one thing I I don't know I don't know if I like the uh, the intentional going to black. 
you know, I, I don't think I've ever liked it. Yeah. I'd rather see something in the black screen areas. I thought this well, this uh, this crow raven looked pretty good too. Well, I think time. this 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 cinematic was one of the first ones to use actual strength, you know, uh, detailed blades of grass. It was it, it was uh, yeah, you know, pretty innovative at the time. And, and the feathers, feathers as well. the feathers yeah. look fantastic. Two thousand one. Now you can do this Gosh. in real time. Yeah, next week's podcast we're gonna we're gonna take a look at uh, where World of Warcraft is in the in the last year or two. Uh, just you know, we'll do a side by side or, or, or uh, just phenomenal. But I mean, I, I remember when this first came out, just the physics of it, the, the weight of it, the momentum of it. That was something that was really lacking in in CG of the day. Yeah, for sure. And then the flocking birds look really really good, and it's it almost has that Star Wars quality when they're all coming over Lord of the Rings. You know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of this wasn't influenced at all. By any of that, but that remember that's two thousand one. That's that's pretty crazy. Well, wait a minute. If that's two thousand one, then Lord of the Rings that was after, wasn't it? Hmm. I I believe so. I think the the actual Lord of the Rings was after that. I think it was in in two thousand uh, what plagiarism plagiarism. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Fantastic scenes. I love that. Previous prep. <laughs> Well, it's getting towards the end of the podcast, Sean. I really wish you know we have a lot more cinematics that we'd love to uh, love to show, uh, but I, I think we're going to be running out of time uh, with this podcast. I just wanted to uh, take a, a minute to uh, you know we promised uh, at the beginning of this podcast to, to take a few minutes and kind of uh, let you know about some some achievements by some of our new media creators uh, over the last thirty days. We've had uh, and this is this is phenomenal uh, twenty. Uh, People have, have reached the 10,000 view threshold in the last 30 days. Uh, it's, it's an amazing thing. Wow. Um, yeah, normally, I mean, we, we, we have a, a performance awards program that we use to recognize our new media creators who, who decide to uh, put their videos up on the CG Bros to get more views. And uh, we provide them um, performance awards uh, every time they, they reach one of these level tiers, which we have a tier at 10,000 views, 100,000 views. 1 million views and 10 million views. We don't have any, not any, I wouldn't say any, but we do have very few that have reached 10 million. We have several that have actually done that, but but uh, but quite, I mean, 20 and 30 days reached the 10,000 view uh, mark. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, congratulations to all those 20. Couldn't list them all today, but that's 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 uh, quite an accomplishment. Definitely too many to, to, to mention. And if you're a new media producer, and you'd like to get your CGI film uh, some exposure to some massive market reach that the CG Bros can provide. The CG Bros is definitely the place to do it. Uh, we've surpassed uh, 4 million subscribers in the last uh, month, and uh, our videos have been watched more than 1.6 billion times. So Billion? Uh, billion. We must be doing something right. Uh, so, you know, thanks again for being uh, the main part of our podcast today. Uh, we do these podcasts for you, and we answered Fred's question, what are your favorite video game cinematics of the past? And we hope that you learned something new and had a little fun doing it. Uh, we hope you learned a, a few things that maybe you didn't know before. If you did enjoy it, do us a big favor and share it around as well as hit the like button. It, it uh, helps us a lot. helps our channel by uh, signaling to YouTube uh, to find other folks that are just like you that want to see the kinds of videos that we that we're making, and uh, we talk about everything uh, having to do with the art, the craft, and the business of CGI. And, and the best part is, it it just takes a second. So thank you. We'd really like to know what you think of our podcast. So please do us a favor and leave us a comment. We want to hear the good, the bad, and we're always looking to improve 
uh, our podcasts. Please let us know if you've got a subject you'd like us to cover in the podcast. You can do that by jumping onto our website, thecgbros.com, clicking the About Us tab, and on the Ask Us Anything, just like Fred did. It's that simple. Now we bring you a sparkling new edition of the CG Insider every week, uh, where we discuss topics that have anything to do with CGI animation and digital VFX, and uh, we talk about a host of other interesting and related subjects that happen to come to our attention. Uh, we also like to direct you to our YouTube channel, where you can find some of the best and truly inspiring and entertaining CGI short films that cover uh, many different genres and creative styles, and, and uh, many of them are award-winning uh, films or uh, award-nominated films. So uh, go check them out. Um, they're created by some of the most talented uh, new, pre new media producers out there. So uh, definitely, well, definitely do yourself a favor and, and take a look at those. Well, we're both uh, looking forward to seeing you here uh, for next week's podcast, where we'll be answering another game-related question. What are your favorite video game cinematics of the present? See you here next week. Well, that's it for today. We hope you've enjoyed the CG Bros answer to the question, what are your favorite video game cinematics past? Thanks for being with us. If you watched us on YouTube and you enjoyed the experience, please give us a thumbs up. Be sure to leave a comment too, because we might share it on a future podcast and mention you by name. Also, please share the video with your friends on social media. If you're not yet following us on our channel, please hit the subscribe button. Subscribing is free and ring the bell so you'll be notified when we post our next podcast. If you're listening to us on our audio-only version, please leave a comment. Oh, and don't forget to tell all your friends that they, too, can enjoy the audio-only version on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible.com, and Stitcher. If you're listening to us on Spotify, you can share the podcast to Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr with the share link. That's the circle with the three dots in it. Learn more about us by going to our website, thecgbros.com, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr, and Instagram. And be sure not to miss the next episode when the CG Bros will answer the question, what are your favorite video game cinematics present? This has been episode 2205 of the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast. See you next time.